The following podcast is equivalent to a TVMA rating, thanks to the author's strong and frequent use of adult language and graphic recollection of her sexual escapades. We strongly advise listening alone or with an extremely open-minded, politically incorrect companion, such as a gay bestie. Hello, and welcome to an all-new bonus episode of How Bitches Are Made. I am your host, Rachel Melvin, and I'm very excited to announce that we have a silent co-host in the studio with us today. I'm mostly excited because this rarely happens. Uh, My Cavalier King Charles Spaniel, Phineas Milo, otherwise known as Finn or Finnegan, he has a ton of different names, which is not at all confusing, (laughs) especially for him. He is sitting beside me on my couch. The reason this is so exciting is because he never stays in the art box with me, especially when I record. So this is just a momentous occasion, Uh, coupled by the fact that it's also for the first time in I don't even know how long. Of course, as I say that, a gust of wind just happened. (laughs) I was about to say it's not windy for the first time in weeks. So I've got the art box doors open and it might sound like I am recording outside because basically I am. But hopefully you enjoy Sounds of Nature and Finn is now getting up, hopefully not to move. No. All right. He's just repositioning himself on the couch. This is so great. Okay. This week we are talking about time. I'm just going to get right into this week's piece. Kind of in the spirit of last week, I wrote this a few hours ago. Not because I was anticipating recording this, though, as you'll hear in the piece. Enjoy, and I will meet you back here in a sec. Time. Our greatest friend, our greatest foe. We never have enough of it, yet it can kill us slowly. Time is money, but then again, it's not really. Because money, you can always make more of. Yet, I prefer to spend more of my time than I do my money. After all, saving money can buy you better vacations. But if you don't have the time to take vacations, then what did it really end up saving you? There's so much to do and only so many hours in a day. And while we might wish to spend those hours wisely, so seldom do we ever. Even when we carve out time to do things, are we really embellishing in them? Or are we counting down the minutes until this obligation can lead to the next? I've often found my most productive days tend to be the ones I'm not preoccupied with a to-do list. In a way, it seems as though the clock slows down to create more space for me to do both, enjoy the moment, and accomplish my tasks. Take, for instance, even this piece, which I had zero intention of writing until I found myself preoccupied with the concept of time enough to sit down and write about it. Suddenly, I'm getting to the podcast episode I didn't think I'd finish this week. No matter how many times I remember this, though, I forget more. Only when I run myself into the ground, exhausted from such constant exertion, do I realize life is passing me by and I've not stopped to notice any of it. I find it hard to master the discipline one needs to prioritize all the things equally, How can I accomplish anything on my to-do list if I'm not taking care of myself first, for instance? Exhaustion leads to a lack of motivation to feed myself, which leads to me waking up later and later, which leads to more missed meals in an effort to make up for lost time, 
and then I find my body aching from excessive strain without proper nourishment. Now, I'm recognizing I need more self-care, but how can I possibly create more time for that with work, designing, auditioning, podcasting, planning for a wedding, and running a business? Never mind going out, socializing, having date nights with my partner, taking walks with my dog, traveling, or creating a routine, let alone posting about any of it on social media. Whenever something's gotta give, it often tends to be you. Despite my glorious will to be called to, show up for, and complete action, I now know I must relent. Time is not on my side because I'm wasting it with my frivolous endeavors that serve, well, no one. Not really. Because it goes against life's design. Time is not linear. I hear this phrase a lot, and honestly, I'm still not really sure I even understand what it means. Though I do try. Perhaps we are capable of living multiple lives at once, and those rare yet impressionable moments when the world seems to align in such a perfect way we can only explain it by a higher power, can we begin to believe it? For me, this started happening back when I first did mushrooms, though I'm sure if I applied myself enough to really think back, it was happening long before. I just hadn't been open or conscious enough to take notice and connect the dots. My memories from that point on are marked by images. The exit sign for Joshua Tree National Park on my way back from Phoenix with my friend Laura, for instance. The image branded itself into my mind, and with it, the whisper of needing to go there to obtain what I desired. I didn't know what I desired, though, and I knew nothing about Joshua Tree. I had never been, and it certainly wasn't the hotspot that it is now. Then, of course, my notorious sound bath where I went looking for career guidance and instead found my way to my current fiancé. Perhaps the third most pivotal moment for me came the night I got engaged. I'd been telling Kevin for months that I'd started time-traveling, meaning I was present enough to feel as though I had seen the future, enough to come back to the past, so I could relive moments in the present I never wanted to forget. The night we got engaged, I looked at him and said, I'm time-traveling because I had felt the shift in consciousness occur. We were in the hot tub at the time, and he knew what I meant. But he looked over to me, careful not to look too shocked, and said, I wonder why you picked today to come back to. It was only two hours later that the proposal he'd been planning and arranging for months transpired. But it really wasn't until the passing of my grandma and my dog Murphy that time really started to consume me. Likely because I had always taken it so much for granted without ever being the wiser. I realized that nothing really is forever, which is comforting in a time of crisis, but a rude awakening when you're suffering a loss. It's never until after then that we're truly able to soak things up. Or are we even then? Our consciousness seems to crumble under the present, almost like our mind is incapable of being in two places at once. And that's likely because it's hard to focus on more than one thing at a time. After all, you do have to focus on the present to be in it, and you have to focus on the task at hand to complete it, which doesn't really allow for space to be truly present. Or is that perhaps why I'm failing so miserably at it? I look back at photos or moments lost in time that are completely lost on me. I don't remember being there, and yet I tried so hard to be. One of the first lessons I ever learned in Hollywood came from my first acting coach, who told a story of Jason Alexander that really may or may not be true. 
But supposedly they were friends, and Jason had told him after the success of Seinfeld that his biggest regret was not taking it all in more. I carried that with me from the start, before I even booked my first job, because I didn't want to look back and find myself saying that same thing. But I managed to let go of it somehow, I guess, because I can't get those moments back. I can only carry them with me ahead as I make new ones, hoping to apply the lessons I learned from them forward. Those lessons are the toughest. They hurt the most. They sting. They haunt. So with all of this taken into account, why yet haven't I learned? Why am I still making these same mistakes? What am I so afraid of when no pain can ever be greater than the pain of wasted time? I'd been wanting to write about time for a few weeks now, and it just so happened that, you know, when I write these things, I really try to write them in a headspace as if it's a diary. And it just so happened today that I was I was kind of really struggling, and I just happened to write as if it was my diary. And I thought, well, this is convenient. Now I can use it for the podcast. But All of that is to just say, I really only want to talk about things that are really resonating with me at the time because then I have something very real to say about it. And originally, when I was thinking about writing this piece, I wanted to talk about this time traveling thing that has been happening to me because it really is about being present. And I really wanted to explore the idea and, and practice, quite frankly, of being present in relation to time and timing. But what ended up happening was a real reflection this morning about how I'm using my time. And so there's kind of two parts to this piece that I want to discuss and dive into. So we always hear these phrases, like I said, time is our greatest enemy. It's our greatest friend. We never have enough of it. It can kill you slowly. Would you? What do you value more, spending time or spending money? Time is on our side, blah, blah, blah. I've thought about this question in particular a lot, I guess more so in terms to what I do, because when it comes to design and building and most things, to be honest, most things that involve creation or use of your hands, I prefer to spend the time. One, because I I find crafts and learning a craft or a trade to be really interesting. I like to know how to do things. I like to know how things work. And that comes from the the fact that I like knowing the cost effectiveness of things. For instance, when Kevin and I first started making bread, which happened way before quarantine, we were not a part of that trend. Just want to point that out. I would buy dry active yeast and I believe like one packet was 39 cents. If you go to foodsheltersex.com, you can get our recipe for bread. It's the best bread you'll ever have. It's so freaking good. But anyway, all that's really in it is flour, this dry active yeast, water, salt, and sugar. That loaf of bread costs me probably less than $2 to make. And when you go to a bakery, you'll buy a loaf for upwards of $7. And I'm like, why would I ever buy a loaf of bread when I can make my own that is better, has better ingredients in it? I shouldn't say better than a bakery that makes it fresh every day, like the grocery store. There, It had been so long since Kevin and I bought a loaf of bread that by the time I went to the grocery store, I couldn't believe that a French baguette was $4.99. And I make like a huge loaf for far less than that. Just the upcharge is crazy. And so it's things like that that always make me want to learn how to do something because I know how much money I can save. But it begs the question on mornings like today, 
is that always the best way to go about it? Because I woke up this morning feeling so depleted and exhausted and overwhelmed and behind the eight ball that I almost felt incapacitated. And I'm not a person that fatigues easily. I would even argue that this might be the first time I've officially burned out to where I didn't even know what that felt like. But I just felt like, God, I wish I could just throw money at all these problems, which I probably could, but I feel like I am so now aware of how I'd be getting quote unquote ripped off that I don't know if I can bring myself to do that. Aside from the fact that I'm getting married. So financially, I, I can't. It's just not a smart decision. So this is a question that I've lamented over many times because for me, the answer was so obvious. I, I value I value money more than time. Maybe it's me getting older. I'm now starting to value time more than money. And when I finally put it into words in this piece where I say, because you can always make more money, you can't always make more time. We're not in charge of that. We literally have no idea how much time we have, which is kind of, I think, been brewing in the back of my mind and creating this almost kind of frenetic energy for me to hurry up and get everything done because there is this worry that I'm not going to get to do it all before I go, which is kind of realistic, but also kind of ridiculous because in operating that way, I'm really failing to live at all. This is something, if you listen to all these episodes, especially consecutively, you've heard me echo this sentiment in a myriad of different ways. This is something I really, really struggle with. And I'm looking at it through all these different lenses. And this week, I'm looking at it through time. I'm always so caught up in this to-do list that it keeps me from being present. And so this morning, I sort of, I had this agenda for the next three days where I was going to finish this project that I'm, I was just like, I'm going to power through, I'm going to finish it. But I woke up today and I was like, I just can't. I, it's gotten to the point where I, I truly, as I said in this piece, I don't even have the ability to make myself a meal. And then I wake up at like 930, which is super late for me. And I'm like, screw breakfast. I'm late. I got to get to my day. And then I'm feeling weaker and weaker and more cranky. And my, my brain isn't working as much. And then it's like when I go to cook, I got to do dishes. Like everything feels like work. And I'm like, I got to focus on filling up my cup. I got to focus on taking care of myself, self-care. This is something that I've preached about, but it's something that often falls at the wayside for me and for you, I am sure as well. I just think on a, a grand scale, the world as a whole is not prioritizing things correctly and self-care is so, so low at the bottom of the list for people to really focus on, let alone acknowledge one of the things I started noticing is that my skin is breaking out and my hair, my roots get gray very quickly when I'm stressed or when I'm not taking care of myself. Maybe it's because I'm not looking in the mirror as often because I'm just working that much and it's not healthy. And one of the things that I find to be very interesting is like on days such as today where I'm finally like, okay, I hear you body because I'm even having a hard time falling asleep like my back hurts so bad. 
So I hear you. I I need a day off. I got to do it even though it doesn't fit into my trajectory and my itinerary and my schedule. I'll fucking do it. I know I need to recharge if I'm going to get any of this done well. It's always on days that I do this where I have no to-do list or no schedule that I end up accomplishing all of these goals and it's the weirdest thing. I had no intention of recording a podcast episode today. I was just sitting in the art box relaxing. I made a really good meal. I started journaling. Then I started writing this piece. I was looking through books about crystals and astrology and and bath rituals for new moons because we're about to have a new moon and an eclipse. And I put together this recipe from this book I've been wanting to try for baths and I'm planning on taking an outdoor bath in the moonlight tonight. And I took a photo of it for food, shelter, sex. And it's like all of a sudden the needle is moving yet I'm not stressing about it moving at all. Which is a very important thing to recognize, note, and acknowledge because that is the balance I'm, I'm trying so hard to obtain and we talk about when we, when we fight the universe and we fight things, we end up just depleting our energy and missing everything. It doesn't have to be that hard. We're making it hard. And yet the only time I stop and remember this is when I've burned myself out. So I end the piece by saying, I don't understand why I haven't learned this lesson yet, which we've talked about in previous episodes where I talk about, you know, the universe will constantly beat you over the head with the same lesson until you've successfully learned it, which clearly I haven't. I'm really struggling this week with how to utilize my time to where I'm really having everything balanced. I'm socializing, I'm working, I'm getting things done, I'm doing things that bring me joy, I'm doing things that cater to this need to create, this need to emote, this need to beautify and design. If it sounds like I have ADD, it is because I most certainly do. I am a person that needs a lot of parts of me to be satisfied simultaneously but I'm also very type A and it's very hard to pack it all into a day so my challenge has become not doing that but having more of this loose schedule which Kevin is really great at and his challenge is the opposite which is why we're so great at balancing each other because I'm teaching him to do more of what he needs and he's showing me by example more of what I need it's just a really hard lesson to learn I also think there is this underlying pressure that we feel to broadcast or show the results of what we're doing in life to feel relevant or to feel like we're included. I know for me that the times I'm not on social media, there is this panicked voice in the back of my head saying I'm falling behind in line. I'm losing followers. I'm losing engagement. I'm not connecting with people. And the truth is, I don't want to post just to post. I'm in this incubation period where there is a lot in the works. I don't have results to broadcast or show for it. And I've talked about in previous episodes about how that really hurts my spirit because having that adulation, I hate to say it, but that is what it is, people acknowledging what I'm doing and fawning over it, 
is what keeps us going. It's incentive. It's inspiration. It's a pat on the back that that makes our hard work mean something and it feels worth it. So when we're kind of just burning ourselves out, doing the grind and not getting that, we lose the motivation. We lose the drive on top of losing the energy. And then we start to get discouraged and it creates this downward spiral. I know for me where I even start to get depressed. And then it's like, okay, how am I going to get it up enough to get back on track? And then it ends up feeling like time is not on our side. And really it is. We're just not playing it to our advantage. We're pitting it against ourselves subconsciously by wasting it. We sit there and we feel like, okay, we're not getting the recognition that we need. We're not feeling satisfied. And then the blow is doubled by the fact that we feel like we're missing out on life. I just mentioned missing out on social media, which let's be honest, it's social media, but it's community nonetheless. So I feel like I'm missing out in this virtual world, but I'm also missing out in my physical community because I'm working so much, but I'm also just missing out on life. I'm not stepping outside and smelling these beautiful flowers that are blooming this spring that I've never seen before or feeling the sand in my toes or looking at the Joshua trees that I love so much, which attracted me to come here in the first place. I'm missing all of it. So I have to make these decisive moments where I choose. I live in a tourist town. I need to live like a Taurus. I need to soak it in more. I need to live here. It seems like that should be a fucking easy thing to do. But it's so easy to forget. The second part of this piece is talking about how time is not linear, which was what I initially wanted to write about because this is sort of more of the fun aspect. This time traveling thing that started happening a few years back where I really started, my therapist would call it whispers from the universe. I started listening to these whispers from the universe, which she would say are just basically, I like to say connecting the dots. They're like these little seeds that the universe is planting. And if we are in tune enough and present enough, we can see them and pick them up and start collecting them like a bunny on a trail and find our way through the maze of life to get to where we really want to be. Being away from the city makes it exponentially easier to do that. There's just far less distractions. But nonetheless, there are still distractions. So I say in the piece, Perhaps we are capable of living multiple lives at once. In those rare yet impressionable moments when the world seems to align in such a perfect way, we can only explain it with a higher power. Can we start to believe it? I think for me, this sentence really kind of encompasses what my therapist was saying. I think when we've collected these seeds and we're on the right track, there's these magical moments, or at least moments that we perceive as magical, that take place and make us feel really excited and alive and as if all the stars aligned and the timing is perfect. And maybe that is what time is not linear means. Maybe in a sense, that is all these multiple lives or lives we're living in different dimensions coming together or the frequency, the waves going up and down have just intersected and things just seem to work out. I feel like that can only happen when we're present. And I think the reason for me it's been happening more and more is because those were times when I really was actively laser focused on being present. I've talked about how I have this obsession with the past and the future. 
And I kind of always straddle the line between the two. And there sort of started to happen this thing where I could propel myself to the future and then come back to the past, which was now the present, to live in it as if I am from the future coming back into the past so that I can really soak up these moments that one day I know I will miss. And there is so much awareness that comes into the ability to do that. And it's something that happens to me or has happened to me a handful of times now. And it is almost like a switch. Like I feel the electricity. I feel the shift. And I'll, and no, I'm not always on drugs when it happens. But I'll feel it happen and it will occur. And what I'm really describing is not time traveling. It maybe is this concept of time is not linear. I'm moving through all these dimensions or all these different realities or existences to come back to this one to be hyper-focused on the present to where I can be aware of my consciousness on this grand scale, almost like an umbrella that encompasses the past, present, and the future. And I almost feel like the goal in life is to be there 60% of the time. Which isn't that much when you really think about it, but I think that's my goal. If I can get there 60% of the time, I think then I'd be living life really, really well. But right now, that hasn't happened since I got engaged. And I think it's just this whirlwind of, again, being preoccupied with a to-do list and I've lost my ability or I've lost touch with my ability to do that. I'm trying now to counteract that and get back to that ability by soaking in the present, by doing these things that would be deemed otherwise, quite frankly, very mundane. Journaling, reading, stepping outside, soaking in the sun, smelling a flower. Like all these things seem ridiculous. But when you're actually doing them, they aren't. You're living in the moment. You're doing this thing I keep preaching about, which is taking advantage of all that the world and the earth has to offer. Because really one day, it will all be over. It will all be done. And that brings me to my next point, is that nothing is forever. And when we're living in this reality we've created with work and friends and social status and politics and all this shit, we forget that. And if we don't forget it, we're using it as a way to comfort ourselves to get through a time of crisis. But we forget that there's two sides to that coin. It's that time and moments are fleeting and they're gone just as quick as they started, both the good times and the bad. And that's really great for the bad times, arguably, because you learn stuff from the bad times, I believe, more than you do from the good. But it is really bad for the good times because like the coronavirus, my life changed in an instant. And now all of a sudden I look back at my past and go, geez, I wish I'd soaked all that up more because I really miss it now. It really looks great in the review mirror, but in the present, I was only focused on where I was going. I didn't soak it up at all, even though I tried really hard to do that. It was so easy for me to lose sight of because we are so easily distracted on the next thing, what we don't have, filling a hole, filling a gap, getting the promotion, making the money, finding the one. We are so goal-oriented, and that's beautiful, but we need to remind ourselves to make space to be present-oriented. That needs to be a goal that we create for ourselves so that we can actually remember our life. I know when my grandma got older, she started to get this insane anxiety. She was always riddled with anxiety as it is. But it started to get like 
almost like a pressure cooker. She got very weird, as I would describe it, though looking back now I realize is she, she knew she was running out of time. And she was impressively aware of how little time she had left. And she was trying to make moments and hang on to moments and remember moments because she knew better than we could even understand because of the age difference that time is so precious. And she was running out of it. And more specifically... She was running out of it with us. And I often sit there and think about how hard that must be for someone to digest and realize. Because, look, not all of us get to live until we're in our 80s. And so those people that do, I would assume, sort of have that incredible awareness, which is both a curse and a blessing, where where someone dies suddenly, there's maybe like a moment where they know it's the end and they say, your life flashes before your eyes. But imagine knowing you're going to die. And soon, that's almost worse because you're just like waiting for it to happen. And so I know it was creating all this anxiety in her. And I, I, this goes back to the regret episode. One of the biggest regrets I have for someone that prides myself on being able to, you know, use transference and put myself in other people's positions, it's hard for me to think and realize that I failed her in that way where I wasn't able to teleport, so to speak, into her position to be conscious and sensitive enough to know that that's what she was going through to participate in her reality to give her those things. Instead, I was caught up in my own shit and I wasted both my time and hers and her time with me and my time with her. I did that with my dog too and it's not until people die that we have this awareness. And then what fucking blows my mind is that a year later you know, we adapt to the loss and we move on and we forget. And I and I get that that's part of how we cope and adapt. But there's got to be a way that we can ground ourselves enough and often enough to put this into a, a practice or a routine at least to get consciously aware enough to ground ourselves and be present and understand that time is fleeting and let's remember those moments, those lessons that we learned of that time loss that is the greatest pain and apply it to the now. I've talked about this, as I said, in various ways throughout the course of this bonus series, but never in terms of self-care. We really have to care for ourselves because if we're not starting with us, if our cup is not full, we can't pour it over into anyone else's. We can't be present with our partners. We can't be present with our parents. We can't be present with our children or our dogs. We can't be the best that we can be in our career. We can't be on top of our to-do list. We can't be on top of our accounting and our taxes and all these things if we are not full of rest and restoration. And for somebody who loves to restore old things and make them new again, it's so fucking ironic and tragic and sad that I forget that so often. And I think along the lines of timing, which is very, very strange, I just had a conversation with my mom where she was kind of speaking to the piece I wrote last week about authenticity. She was talking about what it means to be an individual and not label ourselves She doesn't listen to this podcast. She has no idea that that was my most recent episode that I had released two days before. 
And then someone had sent me an article from Deadline saying that people were going to be protesting outside of SAG for these vaccination mandates, which that came out a day after I released the authenticity episode. And so I pay attention to the timing of these things as I've discussed. These are like the little seeds. I'm paying attention. The universe is telling me I'm I'm on the right path. I'm doing the right thing. And then I have this conversation with my mom where she tells me that she's worried about getting older. And that worry is preventing her from being able to get rid of things because she's afraid she'll remember. And I tell her, but mom, if you don't let go of these things, you're not going to hold space to make new memories for new things. You're holding on to your past, but you're not creating a future, and you're certainly not creating space to be present. And so all of this stuff is just interweaving, and so it brings up the concept of time in the sense of timing. So I I hope that this episode is reaching people that really needed to hear it. Let this be a reminder that time is precious and that perfect timing can only occur if we're rested and we're restored and we're present and open and conscious enough to receive it. And let it be a reminder that there truly, truly is no pain more severe than the pain associated with wasted time because we can't ever get it back. Get yourselves well, get yourselves grounded, make yourselves whole, and tomorrow... Start implementing self-care so that you can show up for yourself and others and create a life of abundance that's filled with love and that's acknowledging the preciousness of the very limited time we have here on this earth. And do the things that fill your heart with joy. I hope you are all having a great week. Continue to have a great week. If you're not having a great week, it's your choice to turn things around and make it better. I started out having a very shitty day. It's ending much better than it started. Finn is still in this art box. I'm out in nature and it's cheering me up. If there's one thing you can do, get outside. Carve an hour out of your day. Get outside. Start showing up for your life so you can show up for everybody else and so you can make the most of this one precious life that we have and live without regret and take advantage of the time that you have because so many others don't and won't and you owe it to yourself and others to make the most of it. That's it for this week consistency is key stay bitchy my friends and i will see you next week how bitches are made is written and produced by rachel melvin 